Hey everybody, we have a new Facebook page which we will update when new episodes are available. Just search for and like Movies Charles Hasn't Seen on Facebook. If you really enjoy the podcast and want to help us out, please rate and review it on iTunes. Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 10. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And as friends, we discovered Charles enjoys movies, but other than major blockbusters from the last 15 years, he hasn't seen any. So as good friends, we decided to expose him to personal favorites and cinematic classics. And this week, we watched the 1982 movie, The Thing. So Charles, tell us what The Thing was about. Um... So in a very minimal sense, uh, it's about a bunch of scientists, uh, researchers at an Antarctic base, and they discover that among them is an alien creature that can assume their forms and imitate them, uh, and they're, you know, they get racked with paranoia about who could be the thing, who's already been infected. Um, they start turning on each other, trying to figure out who it is. Um, and eventually, you know, the thing reveals itself uh, in numerous ways and kills a bunch of them. <laughs> um, they, they, they gradually die one by one. They realize that they can't let this thing get away or else it might, um, you know, infect the whole world. Um, and it ends with them blowing up the base when they realize that there is no hope of survival um, against it. They blow up the whole base trying to kill it. Um, and Maybe only two, they did. There's only two of them left, and uh, we don't know if either or both of them were a thing. And right. And fade to black. So ambiguous ending. Yep. Yeah. The All classic right. ambiguous ending. Right, yes. Famously ambiguous. Crossman, you picked this movie, and you also cited it as your favorite movie ever. Yep. So I want to talk yeah. about both those things, both why, why you pick it for Charles and why. That's a bold claim, right? Favorite movie ever. Why is it your favorite movie ever? Sure. Um... So, I mean, Charles is into science fiction. We know that. Yeah. Um, but we know he's kind of squeamish around horror movies. Or tr- <laughs> was. Maybe not anymore. We, haven't, we don't know yet. Um, I'm a big Keith David fan. So this is a okay. the second David is time. Awesome. Very young Keith David. Yeah. I didn't recognize him really until this movie. Like two-thirds of the way through the movie. I'm like, yeah. holy shit, that's Keith David. Right. Yeah. And when he's an infant. Uh, yeah, uh, all joking aside, uh, he is very good at this yeah. movie. Um, and he was in Pitch Black. We spoke about yeah, it. He's always good. There. One of those guys. Um, yeah, I, I'm a big Kurt Russell fan and a John Carpenter fan. I think the two of them work really well together. They made five films together, and they're all, like, special to me. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I really like all those films. Um, as far as, like, the film itself, I, I like the... Um, even though the plot is a science fiction plot, like the film plays it very serious, similar yeah. to like the second half of Predator, where it, it it felt like the characters were making realistic decisions in in the situation that they're in. That's a good point. The film takes 
the its plot very seriously, even though again it's like an absurd horror movie, and it doesn't fall into like the tropes of a lot of horror movies where somebody like le- like go off on their own and then they like they get slashed by the slasher. There's, there aren't but, really any jump scares. Um, there's like there's one. one. There's yeah, one there's really one. Times, right? There's no, two. no, no, two then. Two. Okay. The blood tests. Oh yeah, okay. Wait, there's You're also right. when Blair right. pops out at the end. Yeah, yeah, I call yeah. that a jump scare. Okay. Yeah, yeah. there's a few, but not like there are elements of a slasher film in that the the characters are kind of picked off, but not in the way that you expect. No, um, which is interesting because John Carpenter did a lot to like invent the tropes of the slasher film when he, mm-hmm. uh, you know, created the Halloween series, which he's that which was his most successful movie. Yeah, um, and most influential probably. Yeah, um, and I, this this film I think does a really good job of like, it, you know, it's a nice like slow burn film where yes. the the beginning is like it, it builds and builds and builds and then when it explodes like everything gets ripped down in a very and, literal sense. Yeah, 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 um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I I think those those are the reasons I I really like this film and we can get into it. There's a lot of like really nice detail in this film. I'm a huge fan of. Films with really good creature effects, which is why, yeah. like, I made you guys watch uh, King Kong, and I think these are like knockout yeah. effects. And, and yeah. all they're famous for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, some of them hold up better than others, uh-huh. um, but I, I really enjoy the creature effects in this film. I think they're they're really creative and um, done in a way to like make the audience like very uncomfortable. Like it's a lot about the body and sort of the mutilation of the right, body. The body horror thing. Yeah, and a lot of it like looks pretty real. And, and I think holds up well. Yeah. I, I yeah. want to disagree a little bit. Okay. As to the, I, I like the design of it, yeah, right? Like the uh, concept of it is great. Yeah, so right. the effects are done by famous effects guy, Rob Bottin, who right. did a lot of effects. Yeah. Um, who was also... Apparently, I was reading online, he was the tallest cantina band member in an uncredited <laughs> role in Star Wars. Nice. Um, so it was like a very young man. He was like did some stuff on the side in Star Wars yeah. and then did a lot of uncredited Hollywood stuff. And then um, did a movie called The Howling, which came out at the same time as um, American Werewolf in Paris. Okay. Um, that was the effects in that movie were well received. And then through that. He got a job with Carpenter. Um, he did uh, The Fog with Carpenter, which oh. is not Carpenter's best horror film, um, but then did all the creature effects in this film. Okay. And, yeah. Yeah, because I, I liked the concept a lot. I didn't find it that scary. I was surprised how not scared I was during this movie because I'm not a horror guy. I've yeah. seen this movie once years ago. I didn't remember it very well at all. Yeah. And I don't want it. it horror is definitely the genre I know least about and have been exposed to the least. So I come to this with ignorance. It, I found it tense, right? I, it felt yeah. like a thriller to me, like in terms of the who done it angle. I wasn't that scared. I don't really. Yeah, I don't know um, if I like it because it's meant to be a horror movie. Yeah, like, it didn't feel like a. I mean, it, sure, it felt like a horror movie, and that there's a giant monster rolling. rolling like around. I get excited by this film when I see the creatures. Yeah. I'm just like, ooh, like I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, sweet. I love like the spider head. Uh, right. Yeah, and that, that, that's what I mean is that I like. That's like one of the best things I've ever seen. On yeah, film. the concepts mm-hmm. are yeah. amazing. Right. The, like the idea of it is great. Yeah. But every single time I'm looking at, it, I'm like, that's definitely 
uh, something they built, right? Like it always looked like a, a puppet or a model or something to me. Uh, Every sometimes time. I don't know. I I think elements of it like still hold up. Like now, like you watch it on HDTV, the lighting no, is incorrect in the movie. Yeah, and the the lighting is important to hiding a lot of the faults in in these okay. effects. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we should be watching this on like CRT TVs. So, like, <laughs> then the effects like might hold up better. Actually, that's it's, a fair point. Um, so no, and I get there is like some some distance from this film, but I I still think that no, I'm like I, I don't know what I'm saying. Like I, I don't think you're I don't think you're wrong. Like yeah, and I don't the, mean the even things, mean, they're not perfect. Yeah, and yeah. I don't even mean it as much of a criticism. Yeah, because I'm not a horror guy, so like the yeah. horror part's not working. I don't even say they don't work, but like yeah. not being as effective as they could be yeah. doesn't matter to me that much personally because mm-hmm. that's not what I'm watching these movies for. No, I I think the the tense nature of the film that you were speaking to and the paranoia that, that the characters go through point. is like palatable and yeah that works the real amazing that has aged very well like yes. that works really well and that's yeah. what the film's really about and where it's most effective and i enjoyed it because of those scenes because of those moments i don't know yeah. charles do you think this was scary yeah let's speak to the horror part first i i'm in the same boat as wilson actually yeah. i always figured myself to be really wimpy with horror stuff but for some reason this one didn't um really terrify me that much um it i would describe it more as intensity yeah so it's the same thing that you describe where it's yeah. more like a thriller than actual horror i guess i haven't really seen any horror films so i can't like compare like i don't know if you know other horror films are actually more scary than this one or something like that I don't yes. know. I, I feel like <laughs> there, there are scary horror so films, yeah maybe i just don't have enough basis of comparison but this one didn't feel um, as scary as I, you know, ironically feared it would be. Um, <laughs> but again, like, I don't think I like this film because I think it's scary or like, right. or I'm looking for like the thrill of, of being scared. Like for me, like I have these like fascination with kind of these like otherworldly creatures and okay. how, how they're made to look realistic. Um, yeah, the creature's a great design, right? I mean, yeah. It's the perfect, like horrifying beast because then you can't even trust your squad mates anymore. It it, it looks just human enough, right? Like just barely human to like kind of creep you out and like be a little personal. Like that's something that they didn't have in Alien, probably the one other horror-ish film I've seen. Uh, I mean there, at least they had each other to rely on for the most part. Uh, when they were trying to deal with this alien creeping amongst their realm, you know, Although here they, they can't even trust each other. So what do you have? Right, right. I thought aliens or themselves. Scarier. They, they, they I think they aliens didn't... scarier than this movie. Yeah. Well, what's interesting yeah. is well, the alien effects I think fall apart much more. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the effects, effects are not yeah. as good. But... And in interviews, so I, I've watched a few interviews about this movie, and Carpenter speaks to like. So what's actually interesting is uh, one of Carpenter's student films inspired Alien, the creature in Alien. So he had this like terrible student film that I've tried watching and (laughs) is unwatchable. Um, With there's this kind of like creature in it that I think it's it's like a volleyball. It's like spray painted black or something. I've seen Castaway and and that (laughs) the the face of the creature inspired kind of the. the, the look of, of parts of Alien. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what's interesting is Carpenter talks about watching Alien, really liking it, but then at the end it's just a guy in a suit. Yeah. And then in this movie, like really goes out of a way to avoid as much as possible the guy in the suit effect. And when right. he does do it, does it in a way such that you, you realize 
because the alien is human right. or has a human appearance, it gets around that like creature in in the suit yeah. effect. Right. Yeah. Or, or there's the yeah. window redheaded guy. He has the hand. Yeah, his right. arms are like right. So it's like he's meant plus. to look human, right? Like be yes. explicitly human. Yeah. Right. So and like, it's even scarier because he's right. that close to being human. Yeah. That was probably the, the scariest creature, right? Like that dude with the hands. Like, yeah. The sound. He looks up and like he like howls, that, or, but it's like this that, like hollow yeah, like hollow sound. And uh, yeah, we, yeah. When it, the creature's like not ready to show itself is right. when it's like all, more scary. Actually. Right. That w- yeah. that was the moment that stuck out as. as Really, the creepiest, and then it has like that Tibetan monk moment where it just goes up in flames and it looks like yeah, it looks like yeah. the non-protest, right? Oh yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's the alien comparison. I think is important because Carpenter's like reacting to that. Sure. In that, in a film way. That's it, and um, and it's interesting that that happens so often in horror, right? Like it's yeah. very, it's more than any other genre. It seems like. It's a genre in conversation with itself, right? Like we're constantly responding to the last thing, yeah. It's the and tropes being of... responded to with the next thing. And yeah, you play with yeah. people's expectations. That's an important yeah. part of horror. Right? Well, that's why right. the, the like much more postmodern Cabin in the Woods, yeah. is so great because right. it plays with all those. It's like tropes. the peak. Have, have you seen <laughs> Cabin in the Woods, Charles? No, I'm not. Okay, well, we shouldn't spoil it. Yeah, I think <laughs> we should probably do that. That's a really that's uh, a hell of a movie. That is a hell of a movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it's another uh, horror movie that's not really that scary. Right. No. Well, parts of it are, but yeah, then yeah. parts of it aren't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Parts it's not it. like Sixth Sense where you, like the first time you saw it, it was like, oh my god, this is terrifying, and then the next time it was like, no, this is stupid. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. every Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that sense of like the the fact that the the alien can be anyone is yeah. is like really important to this film. Like you're sort of like your reality just like falls apart like if you're one of those characters and the guy that like first notices it is the uh the doctor yeah blair yeah he has that handy blair exposition key (laughs) computer yeah the computer this is how this works 75 percent chance of (laughs) killing everyone you know that's like a studio had like no yeah we need someone (laughs) yeah be clear about this i was like wow this computer technology (laughs) they also like don't even trust the viewer to read. Right. So the computer yes. talks. Yes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Same with uh, the chat when Kurt Russell's playing chess. Right. Right. Um, which with is the... a great throwback to 2001. Yeah. I, was he gets, I saw it. He gets pissed off and just pours the the yeah. his booze on it, and then <laughs> right. it, it blows it? up. The chess wizard. Chess wizard. Yeah. That's what yeah. they called. liked their chess back in the day. Evidently, yeah. computer chess specifically. Yeah, it would seem so outdated to show chess on screen these days but, but it is kind of a trope right that, that this computer playing chess and beating people right the idea yeah. that the computer is that was a big deal superior. for a long time and yeah. now it's just accepted i guess it, right like we're, yeah now we we're just like really roll. dumb like yeah. no right. way can play like, chess. of course like, like, every computer is gonna kick my ass yeah. i'm easy of course. <laughs> yeah. smart like a computer like, <laughs> yeah. um the other reason i think this film works so well is that all the characters i feel like are very like relatable in like a in like a class sense like mm-hmm. they they're all just like working guys yeah and they're, they're believable like as working guys like where you, you get a lot in like science fiction movies where it's like the super smart scientists who like studied right. the Just earth and here's an yeah. engineer and here's the best pilot in the galaxy yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's none of that yeah. none, like none of these guys are really that special they seem like they seem like they're working at like basically I mean, like an oil rig or something job. Yeah, whatever the hell that is. Like, I don't even know what they're supposed to be doing. Well, like, they're presumably doing some sort of science research about biology. It seems like they hang out playing pool a lot. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of just like hanging out in yeah. Antarctica. Um, but yeah, no, it's unclear what they're really down there for. We right. guess like science stuff. Right. Uh, <laughs> but we know like Kurt Russell's a pilot. There's a doctor. Yeah, a couple uh, doctors. A couple right. doctors. Yeah, there's one guy that looks like he was in the military. Yeah, yeah. the kind of the leader of the group. Right. The, yeah. the like sheriff. The older guy. Dude. Yeah. There's a yeah. chef, and then the other characters are just like guys that happen to end up in Antarctica. For right. There's like a guy oh, that's like a radio specialist yeah. dude who uh, couldn't yeah. get the radio to work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the winter, right? They're supposed to be cut off. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's a dude who's only there to wear his heavy metal jacket, I guess. Yeah. 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 The, the I, I didn't see him do anything. Yeah. The kid on the Roller skates yeah. that reminded me of warriors. He's a chef, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah he was okay. a chef. Um, and then there's like a kennel master, but who eats it early Clark. on? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not the first guy to die, but oh wait, no, he doesn't eat it. He he almost eats it. Yeah. yeah. Well, the first guy to die was the Benning. Benning dude, right? Right, with the hands. Yeah. 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 That's when they realize shit's really going down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So that's I. I think that's another reason that like I really like the movie. Like the characters are like very relatable and feel realistic. Like yeah. you're not. As you said, you're not in Star Wars where you have like the accidental best pilot in the galaxy. <laughs> the, then... the top two, apparently. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, ironically... It's just like a bunch of guys. That, yeah. Like, Since yeah. these guys weren't like yeah. cartoonishly exaggerated in any way, yeah. I, I had a hard time differentiating them because they kind of just became these faces that you know I couldn't tell which one was which. Essentially. Yeah, there's a couple that stood out. Like Kurt Russell was Kurt Russell, right? Yeah. Like you yeah. Had Swat him and Keith David. Yeah. Um, and the doctor that goes crazy. So it's like there's a handful that have defining characteristics, but there's a few that kind of some of them run are just together. wallpaper. Yeah, I've seen the movie a lot, so I, I can differentiate between the characters. I have but no doubt. Yeah, but uh, I, I had to review. Yeah, there's them a few a bit like wallpaper characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, which yeah. is fine. Like you're not. It's what, eight or nine people there in this thing, so that's okay. I think. Yeah. Right. yeah. Speaking of the ensemble, though, there's no women in this movie at all. Uh, the computer voice is, uh, <laughs> is Ad- Adrian Barbeau is the computer okay. voice who was married to John Garbiner at the time. Well, well then, yeah, there are no women that appear in this. No, movie. yeah, there's no women in the movie, which okay. I, it doesn't feel like an accident. Like uh, John Carpenter is no dummy, right? Like he knows what his casting demographics look like. Yes, when he's making this movie, so I I don't have an answer. Like I wonder what that means or what he was trying to communicate to us by just having literally no women because you'll see in other horror movies or other movies period there are his movies be, in particular right there's like, a throwaway role yeah. or something mm-hmm. there's like no uh, halloween token. is yeah like not, not the, i mean at least a throwaway role I'm, yes right like there's a, a token woman in this movie and conspicuously yeah. absent here and i i don't know what to do with that <laughs> but I noticed it immediately. I was like, "There's, yeah." I mean, I wouldn't women here. discount sexism. I mean, it, uh, yeah, <laughs> he, I mean, he is yeah. known for having like good female characters. Like in, it, again, in Halloween, like right. the female character, like Jamie Lee Curtis, like carries yeah. carries that movie. And um, Adrian Barbeau in like Escape from New York is great. Oh um, yeah, that movie's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this is like a camp, like right movie, yeah. right? Um. But yeah, no, I think the absence is conspicuous, and yeah. I, again, I wouldn't discount. Just it, like women wouldn't be here, so yeah, like, maybe yeah. women can't be scientists. Maybe it's just that simple. It but could be. He's yeah. responding to Alien, so like I, I don't know. I don't know how yeah. you respond to Alien and not have any women in your movie. I mean, maybe he knew that he was going to slaughter all the characters and felt wrong, like killing women or something. But well, not I, all of them. Like, <laughs> two of them made it. Maybe. Yeah, the implication is they die though. But. Yeah. Well, they, is, are well, they die in like because of exposure. exposure yeah. Yeah. In the wilderness. Sorry. Yeah. I, I was just saying they definitely are making it out. 
Yeah, that would be a. Uh, that's a whole other movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't want to watch The Revenant again. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll skip that one. <laughs> so, uh, is yeah. this movie about the Red Scare? No, I. It can't be. No. I don't. I don't think so at all. No. Like I don't. So the original, what you're referring to is like the 50s version yeah. of this movie is blatantly about communism. Which I haven't and seen. Like infesting the the thing. It's also based on a book, which again was about uh-huh. communism. But like, the, I don't even think there are creature effects in that movie. But just like slowly, people like become become the thing. I watched a video that yeah. summarized the different like, yeah. makes and remakes of the thing, and there are several. The, the 50s. Well, there's three. They were oh, covered really? in the video, at least. And the sequel, 50s right? ones, like, yeah. the monster looked almost like a Frankenstein dude. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've, I haven't seen it, so I cannot comment. It looks really cheesy, comment. but, I mean, it's a 50s movie. Well, yeah. Early they, 50s. They only do so much. But, uh, I, don't, I don't know. To me, I, I read it, and I was like, this is... This is communism? It, yeah, I read, I read, like, what the experience was when you're wondering which of the, your friends is actually a Soviet spy, right? And it's happening again during the Cold War. Yes, in the cold. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. Like it, I don't think that was the point of the movie, but I think that it's a reasonable reading of the movie. Yeah, and I think audiences of the time would have connected to that narrative because this is like what eighty two is right before Reagan. Yeah, it's something like Let's that. See. Anyway, it's like yeah. what seven years before the wall came down, so they're still in the thick of it. Yeah. It, Eighty one to eighty nine is Reagan. So yeah, it's like right at the beginning of of Reaganism. Right, and, but he doesn't do much else with it, right? Like so, he it's like the concept of yeah. That's why like I'm not sure it's it's there. Maybe that like underlying narrative of just like you can't trust anybody. Right, is is that? I mean, cl- it clearly, it's taken. The source material is about communism. right, and it's yeah. happening in the, in the yeah. early eighties. Right, like yeah, it feels like that. He must have thought of it. Right, uh, like it must have occurred to the people making this movie that the folks are going to watch it and go, "Oh, this is about the Red Scare." So <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they just decided to acknowledge that that was a thing and to say that that's not what their movie's about anyway, or or what. But uh, well, I, here the threat is real, right? I mean, it's actually yeah. going to explode out and try to kill you. Right. That's the other thing is that if this is about the Red Scare, then Carpenter's point seems to be yes, communists. Among us are a real threat that are going to destroy the world, and if yeah. it takes you know blowing up your you know base to do it, then you should do it, which yeah. is a troubling reading. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah, you just tear your own world down to defeat communism. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. which is what was certainly an imagined threat. Like it's almost McCarthyite yeah. in that reading. Well, I did show you a a Marxist reading of this movie, which I read offline. and was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I have the quote here. So this is. Um, uh, a Marxist philosopher who's giving a read of the film. And he says, um, he's talking about capitalism, and he says, this ca- this makes capitalism very much like the thing in John Carpenter's film of the same name. A monstrous, infinitely plastic entity capable of metabolizing and absorbing anything with which it comes into contact. Capital, Deleuze, and Guattari <laughs> says is a motley painting of everything that ever was a strange hybrid of the ultra modern and archaic. Um, so really what he's getting at is like capitalism's like ability to abs- absorb any underpinnings. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Old it's Marxist like credo. punk. It really, it's like uh, most famously with punk rock. Like yeah. punk rock is formed against, you know, it's this movement like largely against capitalism. Yep. 
and is immediately yeah. subsumed back into the <laughs> capitalist structure. Yes. And now, yeah. you know, we have Blink-182 and, and Blink-182 and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. And even yeah. even bands that like started out, yeah, you know, rebelling, like the Clasher and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, yeah. Right. Like it's these. It's, so, yeah, I. So I, I, I don't I, I, I don't think Carpenter intended this, but I nope. think it's like an interesting reading of the film that like n- we exist in this culture that no matter what you do is is sub- subsumed by capitalism, right? And because it's impossible to escape, like everything like just becomes capitalism. And for the con- for the film to like have that theme is is interesting, or to like to be able to read that theme into the film. Well, well yeah. and that then the ending again is. You know, I don't want to even say grim, but revolutionary, right? Like that. In order to defeat capitalism, you have to tear down the system. Like you, can't, yeah, you can't reform the thing, right? Like you can't. Or the apocalypse happens, right? 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the, the alternative is apocalypse, right? It reminded, yeah. and that that reading reminds me of Snowpiercer. The ending of Snowpiercer. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Ooh, I want to see that one. You haven't seen Snowpiercer? No. I thought you had. No, okay. I, I, I wanted to. <laughs> okay. So don't tell me what the ending was. Okay, well, never All mind right. then. Um, <laughs> in any event, it reminded me of this. Um, uh, Snowpiercer yeah. is, is great and really has no similarities with the thing other than this thematic thread sure. at the conclusion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting that the movie can plausibly be read both ways and that neither reading is what John Carpenter meant. <laughs> Almost certainly, right? Like, yeah, which is fine. Yeah, yeah. no, I don't think yeah. that undermines either one. Um, but he's also, you know, he's again, like at the beginning of the Reagan era, which is yeah. when capitalism like really wins, like at that point. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it tears down the like you know the socialist fabric of the U.S. and the U.K. are, are just like ripped apart yeah. by yeah. capitalism, and so. He, like even though he may be responding to communism, we're still seeing it in a way that is is being affected by what's happening politically at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, like Zizek talked about this too. He has this, you know, those videos where like the guy's drawing on the whiteboard. Mm-hmm. Zizek has one where he talks about how even um, charity gets subsumed by capital. So you have these people that the the example he uses is in Starbucks where you buy the free trade coffee yeah right and like then once you buy the free trade coffee you get to check off the mental boxes that say i need coffee and i need to make a donation somewhere yeah and it's just the, all capital the it's terrible all, uh, yeah. red campaign that like bono yeah is a part of it's like yeah. i'm helping by by yeah. buying things by buying yeah, yeah it's thing. like never yeah. mind the fact that like these companies are tearing down the third world you're helping the third world by buying their things right of right course. exactly yeah. and you see it all over and yeah she makes the point he was certainly not the first um, but he does it with pictures, so it works really well. Yeah, I mean, we you you see this these kind of themes in Carpenter's films a lot, though. And um, Mark Fisher, the guy who wrote mm-hmm. the passage that that I quoted from, talks about like how, uh, particularly in the '90s, but it kind of starts in the '80s, where you have like all these disaster films. Okay. And um, yeah. another philosopher, Adam Curtis, talks about this a lot. That science fiction disaster films in the '90s are just the you know the world being destroyed, and you see this theme of like New York being blown up by an asteroid, then New York getting hit by a tidal wave, then New York like we'll be <laughs> getting blown up by aliens, right. right? And so what's happening is like in, in the '90s we have suddenly switched to a culture where we're like we can't even imagine a future that is not apocalyptic, and this, but, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, finish your point. 
Um, and this this film is a part of what's called like the Apocalypse series that mm-hmm. John Carpenter does. It's paired with um, two other films, uh, In the Mouth of Madness and uh, another film. But th- th- those formulate the Apocalypse mm-hmm. John okay. Carpenter series. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I so, have not seen many of his films, so I'm not familiar with those. But that's yeah. interesting. And it brings us to the point that that article was the article you mentioned was making yeah. is that there's it's impossible for people to imagine a it's easier for people to imagine the world ending than capitalism ending yeah right like which is what that article is about mm-hmm. yes. and again an old leftist marxist axiom um and you know that's what happens with this movie right? yeah like, that, everybody dies that, that yeah. passage like goes on to say that like you know children who've been born after reagan uh-huh. just have no other worldview like yeah. there's never been anything but capitalism so you can't uh like you just can't imagine anything else because you, you've never lived in that or been in a world where it was any right. kind of real life so there's nothing there's nothing to challenge it yeah so, yeah yeah what do you think about that, Charles? <laughs> I don't think I have anything to add here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, returning to the thing. Yes. Um, I can even go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the film begins, the cold right. open is, uh, you see Antarctica, you see a helicopter. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, they also have the UFO. It's very Predator-like. That's true. Oh, it's true. They do have that. And then the great, like, the the, uh, the thing, <laughs> the title. The glowing text was pretty sweet. I yeah. think that was actually in the 50s one. Oh, really? From the, from the clips that I saw. Okay. They did the, like, light shining through the thing text. Okay. That's that awesome. really awesome. Though. Yeah, very good text treatment. Um, okay, so then we get to Antarctica. <laughs> yeah. And there's, a, I believe we see a helicopter first, and then you see, uh, you know, like a Siberian husky or something right, running right. through. And, you know, it becomes clear very quickly that the helicopter is trying to kill the husky. Yeah. Right. Which is such a perfect open to this movie. Because, like, could you imagine a film in, that starts, an American film that starts with someone shooting a dog? <laughs> <laughs> and it's so perfect, right? Like, you can't kill the dog. Right. And the, the dog is the enemy. The dog is like, what, right. They were right to shoot that dog. Right. Yeah. Something, something's really off just immediately. Yeah. Right. right. And, yeah. And, it, and it's... Like, it's, it's interesting because you have that shot of the Chevron oil thing right mm-hmm. at the beginning, which called to mind this article because I read it before I watched yes. the movie again. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's this, this idea that you couldn't, you couldn't get away with that and that we're immediately on the dog's side. Like, they're playing our dog sympathies against us. Like, yeah, yeah which is great. They had to make it the yeah. cutest... Like, right, yeah, it looks like a nice dog, it. and like because that was my immediate reaction when I first saw this movie. I was like, oh, look at this asshole! He's not even on the ground, right? Like he has to shoot the dog from a helicopter. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, it's just playing the audience sympathies, playing us like a like a flute, mm-hmm. and it, it works really well. The 2011 prequel to this movie. It was a prequel. It's a prequel, yeah. um, which it was painstakingly made. Okay, uh, but they forgot to like write a movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So what they did, so the prequel is about the Swedes. Norwegians. Uh, the they Norwegians. keep messing that up. Yes, yes. damn it. I did the Kurt Russell <laughs> thing. I, I couldn't decide. Um, so they like painstakingly recreated the base unburned. And that's yeah. the setting of... Who gives a shit? Of, right? of, of the well, prequel. The thing fans do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so there's like a lot of like things that are just like kind of random in that film. Right. Appear like for real <laughs> in that movie. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but the, that movie <laughs> ends with the dog 
running away, and these guys jump into a helicopter and chase oh, after okay. it. So it's Cute. it's clever. The problem though is that they forgot to like make a good movie. Yep, uh, just a series of references. Another problem yeah. based movie. on yeah. the little clips I saw in that like remake review yeah. video was that they did all CGI effects. Yeah, and they don't and look as they're good. They're worse than the '80s puppet effects. Like they look horrible. They <laughs> yeah. look way out of place. They've already aged poorly. Six years later, um, it's just awful. Yeah. Like from those few clips I saw. Yeah, we've, yeah. we've discussed at length. <laughs> I like that's come up many times. And this it's still true. Yeah, yeah. it's still what, definitely. Um, I forget what it is, but they have like a a clever way of figuring out what the thing is that's not the same as in this movie. That'd be kind of lame I mean, like if it was test? the same. Yeah, they have a different test, okay. um, and I think it has to do with like the metal implants in their bodies, like their fillings, oh. they figure out that like the thing like can't copy. Oh, right. The, I think the there was fillings. a plot point where someone oh. didn't have an earring that he always wore uh-huh. and so he figured that it was the thing. Yeah. I, I like I like those clever bits where they yeah. like, you know, figure out how to determine these like, things. Like the puzzle in, angle. In the thing when they figure out the blood test, you know, I thought that was a really cool moment when right. they when they kind of dis- decipher like how the beast works and how to spotted out again like playing to the film's realism right like if you accept the world that the that this like if you accept the world of the film Mm -hmm. that feels very real yeah and that's probably i think that's my favorite scene yeah in in the film because it plays with the tension the best like that's yeah that's what the film is doing best is it's building these tense moments it's to keep heating up the wire right right and it's yeah just a natural crescendo when the test finally like busts a thing and obviously it's a great jump scare moment because it just comes out of nowhere with that like sound effect right yeah um but i thought it was hilarious that the two guys were tied to the same couch as the guy who was the thing and oh that was perfect yeah strapped in there like holy shit what the fuck yeah yeah while they're trying to deal with this thing we're and and there's kurt russell and he can't get his flamethrower to work of course so much great tension yeah yeah just just right yeah and then the other guy freezes right the the thing like gets him right yeah, yeah, that was. I love that. That was the best scene. I, I, I agree. For all, it just has everything that the film is doing. It best also all at once. Yeah, what it does too is it tells you to be concerned about one character. Yeah, and it's obvious. It <laughs> like you know in your heart it's not going to be that character, but like it, 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 it controls your focus so well. Yeah. on the wrong character. Yeah, well, and that's why about, it's such a good jump scare. Was Clark dead by that point? I think he's already been shot. Which one's Clark? Oh, yeah. Oh, the yeah. dog guy. Yeah. Yeah, he had died like He already a... went after Kurt Russell with a knife and got shot. Right before that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Because so Keith David is like, you're a murderer. <laughs> I guess you're a murderer. <laughs> yeah. That ma- I guess that makes you a murderer. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it does. Yeah. I, I really liked um, Kurt Russell going a little crazy mm-hmm. in this movie. Like, I thought that was... Uh, like holding he... the dynamite. Yes. I mean, there's like... always the question about how that, how his jacket got ripped up. Yeah. Which the film doesn't answer. Which it's is, not answered. Yeah. Which is fine. Like I, I and I think that yeah. brings us back to the ending. And like, how do we feel about the ambiguity? Because there's the there's the ambiguous part with the jacket, and then the big ambiguous part at the end. It's like, are either of them the thing? Are either yeah. yeah, or both of them, or neither? And if neither of them are, they're going to end up killing each other anyway, right? Like, there's all these open questions. <laughs> and I don't did that. I have a hunch as to how it works for you, Crossman. But Charles, how do you feel about the? Uh, ambiguity at the end of this movie um i guess it actually didn't fully hit me at first because i was too busy focusing on what had just happened with like giant blair monster and the dynamite and everything exploding yeah 
I'm just like, holy shit, all right, I guess they're going to die here now. Yeah. And then, you know, I thought about it more after. I'm like, wait a second, you know. Where was Keith David? Where did Childs go? Yeah. And, uh, there's always that, like, you know, we're in no shape to do anything about it line. So it's like, does it even matter at that point? Yeah. Oh, but it totally they does. can't do anything about it. it right. Because it, if he is infected, then... Like the world ends. Yeah, right? they'll just freeze, right? And then the rescue team yeah. like finds it. Right. And then, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it matters you a lot. You figure that since they're alone with each other, the thing has a tendency to try to assimilate the other when they're when they're caught alone. Yeah. And he didn't. So maybe. Not yet. Anyway. Yeah, There's numerous right? theories yeah. about this because I'm sure people have looked at, looked through this scene in and out. I think people painstakingly years. like tracked each character in the movie. I'm sure there's <laughs> yeah. a spreadsheet out there. And it shows There's you, enough like, the not timeline. shown that I don't think yeah. you can actually do that. Yeah. Well, that's what's great about the film, right? Is that it, it doesn't answer everything. Like a lot of the action happens off screen. Like right. even when the when the dog first probably gets somebody. Uh-huh. I thought that was you, a strange scene. I, I yeah. specifically noted this because the dog just kind of walks down the hallway. Walks into a room with a dude's silhouette, and then the scene like kind of awkwardly fades to black. Yeah, yes. who was that dude? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a very strange cut that kind of took me out of the moment, actually. But like normally in a horror film, you'd expect at least like you know some screaming and maybe to watch the silhouette turn into a monster and attack. The yeah. I like the mystery silhouette. of it. Yeah, but, yeah. I thought it was really, I agree. it was effective in that it it. Right, I'm just saying I, I expected that to happen and it didn't. But I also thought it was strange to just kind of fade to black. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the false jump scare is always a good technique, right? Where yeah. you, like, set the audience up for it and yeah. don't deliver. So that when you finally do deliver it, they're like, oh, maybe this is they another false one. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's um, true. And I think the movie was kind of doing that. But m- more importantly, I think it was setting the tone of the mysteriousness of it, right? Like, it, it's priming us for not having all these questions answered, which yeah. I, I find to be an effective It's also, it's also important that the silhouette is completely nondescript. Like, you yes. just really can't tell you who can, it It's a big head. It's just the dude's head. Yeah. Uh, so I like that a lot. Um, I, well, it does the opposite. Uh, this film is kind of, like, very similar to uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Which I have not seen. I haven't seen that. N- neither version? All right, I've seen the 50s and 80s version. The 80s <laughs> version is very good. 50s version... Whatever. <laughs> it's probably like the 50s version of this movie. Uh-huh. Um, that movie is very similar thematically where people are being like replaced by this like alien force. But what happens in that movie is like when when you're infected, you have to stay awake. And as soon as you fall asleep, then the transformation happens and you mm. become okay. you become the creature. This movie does the complete opposite where right. When someone is infected, it happens in a horrific manner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not subtle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, I mean, but even there, it's kind of mysterious about exactly how the thing works, right? Yeah. So, like, you hang out with it for a while, and you get infected. And is it airborne? Does it like shoot you with one of those tentacles? Like, how does it infect you? When you're infected, do you know you're infected? Like, does it kill your consciousness? It definitely seems to do that, right? right. Maybe. Like, I, I yeah. think. Well, I mean, you are it. Right, right. right. So but what you're is presumably it pretending to be you instead of you? Maybe. Like I think it's presumably it's really. But that's part of the question unclear. of this movie, right? Yeah. It's like identi- yeah. identity becomes almost irrelevant, right? Right. The once once you are the thing, you are no longer yourself. You are a representation of yourself, and maybe right. Like, you're think, like you're a facsimile of yourself. Right. You're a yeah. facsimile, but we don't know what the consciousness of the facsimile is, right? Right. So is the facsimile thinking, oh, I'm I want to infect all these people 
and when I find an opportunity to do it, I'm going to do it, and I want to also conceal my identity so I can walk among them. Yeah. Or yeah. is it just the person, like, thinking that they're just a normal person, cell, right? Like a and silo. and then it triggers. I, That's an interesting question. I the no film idea. doesn't answer it. No, it yeah, doesn't even attempt to, that, but it certainly presents the question, and that it is has all of these. The mythology of it is so hazy and so unclear, and I, I think that adds to the creepiness factor that you just don't know. You like don't know what the experience of the infected person is. Yeah. So maybe at the end of the movie, when Keith David is saying, "Oh, I'm not infected," he's he thinks he's not. Maybe he's not lying. Maybe every time someone says they're not infected, they're not lying mm-hmm. in their mind. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's that that's think, why it's great. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, and so yeah, it would be like the Cylons in. Um, <laughs> Battlestar. And Battlestar. Yeah. Uh, well. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, again, this this film, like, one of the things that really plays with is, like, notions of the body, right? Yeah. Like, you, you have your own self-identity, and then in a very horrific way, this creature, Tears it away like, melts, yeah, yeah, like, you melt, essentially, just, yeah. and become this other thing that is yourself but then yeah also similar (laughs) but then insect like too right because we get these like kind of insect legs and stock like eye stocks and things like that (laughs) right yeah Yeah. insectoid and kind of uh, it has like this octopus squid thing once in a while when it's like tentacles yeah like teeth and strange places yeah yeah definitely yeah um which i think goes back to the the concept the concept of the creature is just great like throughout I, yeah, really, totally. I really, really like the very first time the thing is revealed with a dog. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. I didn't, I, <laughs> I had no expectation for what was going to happen, and it went from zero to 100, like, instantly. Yeah. I was like, holy yeah. fuck. Like, the dog, like, opens up like a plant, and then its skull falls off, and, like, it's this, like, jaw beast. Like, yeah. the skull falling off is what really sold that yeah. scene as, like, horrific. Like, that was really that was a really great detail and that was nuts and i i feel like that's actually the most realistic scene in the movie because it just like yeah. mayhem yeah. breaks out yeah and where they're just like what is going on it feels so realistically acted right and there's uh, the, there's that great moment like as everyone is like starting to realize what's happening yeah and it cuts to uh kurt douglas <laughs> or, uh, who doesn't realize what's happening and he's yeah. just like hanging out in his room or whatever and it's like oh shit yeah like it's yeah that uh that was really effective for me. I like that a lot. Yeah, I agree. There's, yeah. Yeah, that scene in particular, especially, the, it has the alarm going off, the mm-hmm. fire alarm. Eventually. Too, and so yeah. that, like, that, like, just adds to the mayhem. The, and yeah, then they bring out the flamethrowers. It's like, so chaotic. Great, great touch. Yeah. yeah. And, like, the build-up to it is really good, too, that you have all of the dogs at the edge of the cage. Dogs always know what's happening. The dogs always dogs know. Dogs always have that six dog sense. Right? right. They know it's a Terminator. They know it's a thing. Right. They, <laughs> yeah. They can smell the the fear, and yeah. and then they have like the thing dog in the in the, in middle. the middle, and yeah, like that was. I mean, it's been building up to it for like you know forty five minutes at this point. It, right. right. The dogs like roaming around and yeah, like, like you know something's up. They're with like, this what is dog? up with this damn mutt? You know, yeah. put him away. Yeah. <laughs> So they, they like they cue us in, right? Like the the movie is like cueing us in that something is happening, but it's still like shocking. I, I when the yeah, thing like I I wasn't sure. I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea what the thing looked like, and I didn't realize that it would just explode into gore in a split second. Yeah, it's insane. Which is exactly what happened. Yeah, and then it escapes up through the ceiling. Right, which yep. is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Right, nothing's more terrifying than something just like being above you. <laughs> yeah, right. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, how do you walk around looking up? Yeah, and yeah. then there's that moment right after that where they 
they set up the really the premise of the movie yeah. where he's asking the dog kennel guy like how long were you alone with the dog like yeah and he's getting like really defensive about it yeah like, why are you asking me all these questions and stuff like that so it's yep. it and slides right into what we're going to be spending more time with on the movie yeah it also kind of distracts you because the doctor like kind of figures it out the one of the two doctors like kind of figures well, out what's going on because the computer like, the exposition computer tell, tells him <laughs> yeah and then he goes nuts and then yeah. all the other characters are like trying to corral him. right but his reaction is like the correct reaction right yeah that's eventually what all the other yeah what the, uh, characters you come can't to. let this thing out or yeah. like human humanity's yeah. done and right he starts axing everything yeah. and like trying to kill the other characters in, in the film yeah uh and they have to like corral him. Really, one really nice detail is they they finally get him out to the shed, right? Yeah. And they give him an injection. Uh-huh. The next scene that happens right after that is they go back in, and their blood bank has been destroyed. Yeah. And uh, watching it this time, I realize that the injection that they give him is is all red on the inside. Oh shit! So, so, the, were... so the guy that's giving him the injection is infected and is infecting him. him. Oh, okay. Because he's clever. ultimately like the the surviving thing out in the shed. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, I don't remember who was the guy giving the. Yeah, he's revealed soon after to be one of one of the things. I forget which one it is. Oh, I gotta go and check that back. Yeah, I only notice it like on this watch through that they inject him and they show it Damn. really quickly. That uh-huh. you see the injection; it's red on the inside. Interesting. And then I you def- go to the blood scene right after that. I definitely the blood bank that. scene. I yeah. definitely missed that. Yeah, it's small good. detail. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah, because again, it, it, when you're just watching it casually, it's not clear how he ends up getting infected. You just assume that it happened. Yeah, when he's hanging out with the dog or whatever. And, and after yeah. that, he's really calm, and he's just yeah. asking to come back inside. Right, right. Which he's is, like, like even better, right, when <laughs> yeah. he's infected? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. my thought was that, yeah. like, whatever drug they gave him, the morphine or whatever, <laughs> worked. Yeah. Right, like, that, they calmed him down. But Yeah, yeah I just figured the thing slithered in there and infected them while they weren't watching. Yeah. You know, it's very possible they could have happened. Right, but it doesn't even slither, right? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did you want to talk about the soundtrack? I, I just w- wanted to point out that Ennio Morricone. Yes. We checked the pronunciation on YouTube before this episode. <laughs> that was my best attempt. <laughs> the, the, the YouTube video we found had a very... That was, that was, yeah. It was closer to the chess master voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very thick Italian accent that I will not attempt to replicate. Um, but I was surprised to see him on here. Like, he has a lot of credits, but he's most associated with all these westerns. Like, that's what I, I think of him as a, as a western. Yeah, because like he has... 500 composer oh credits and like 240 like uh, one of the other kind of credits. He has like an insane <laughs> amount yeah, of like yeah, musical credits. Probably one of the largest IMDb pages out there. Yeah. Uh, but I think of him as, you know, the Once Upon a Time in the West and Good Man the Ugly and stuff like that. Yeah. So I was surprised to see him here. So I was listening closely to the score and it didn't sound like him at all. Right. Like it, it I mean, was. It's got like electronic music. Yeah. You see electronic music with. And you'll yeah. So I guess he got some. He has some range. Uh, and apparently tracks that he made for this movie got used in The Hateful Eight. Really? Uh, yeah, he huh. made uh, like more than enough, and they just didn't use those extra ones. Huh. Those made it into the Hateful Eight. Oh, wow, because he scored yeah. that too. Yes, with he a, did a more traditional that. Western score. Yes. Huh. Yeah. That's fast. I mean, because Hateful Eight clearly has similarities. Carpenter somehow contributed to the music, uh-huh. uh, which makes sense because his. So he's also like a famed musician. Like he's kind of invented this like synth electronic 
it, he's famous for music. It. Yeah, or for using it. I didn't know he actually. Yeah, he invented it. like a lot of elements of it, and yeah. so his movies are really famous for Carpenter just do, doing the music. And so he he contributed to this soundtrack, uh-huh. but I think mostly handed it over to Ennio. Um, but <laughs> uh, like, so I, I don't know like how much conversation was was having, but happening between right. the two it, of them. There's got to be some because there's no yeah. way that. And it just shows up with this soundtrack. Yeah, but like this whole, especially because like in the last few years, like synth has become like really popular. I know you're. Yeah, we've talked about it. We, we, Crossman and I love this kind of music. Yeah, I love it. A lot of songs I've gotten sound just like the theme song for the thing. Yeah, right. And Halloween and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. So Carpenter's like done a lot of music for his films. And so it's interesting that he brings in this like. Western guy. Yes, yeah, guy who's like very famous and, and well established. Yeah. Too. So yeah, because I, I mean, he, even then he was probably pretty old. Like he's yeah, well into his eighties now. Yeah, uh, and I read online that he was like, "Well, I, I played your music at my wedding, so I wanted you to score this movie." <laughs> nice. That was his like reasoning. <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. Sure. Right. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting that you bring up the hateful eight um, yeah. connection because who was it that one of you hadn't seen it? I haven't seen Hateful Eight. I've seen it. Oh, you both have? We have yeah. all seen it. Hateful Eight? Okay, because the similarities are really clear, right? Like yeah. that it's, you know, these people trapped You're in unsure a... unsure of who... You don't know who's who in a cold place, uh, and everyone's... They even have the... Bed. When I was watching the thing, I was reminded of the Hateful Eight when they had the rope thing going to the shed. Uh-huh. I mean, I think that's just a feature when you have a snowstorm, but, like, they had the rope thing to guide them. Yes, right, the, right. It, I mean, Tarantino never just, does this stuff accidentally. It just accidentally. emphasizes the inhospitality. It's ha- inhospitable nature of the, <laughs> yes. of the environment. Yeah, and I, I guess I hadn't put that connection together before you mentioned it, but it's definitely there, and I'm sure that uh, Tarantino. Yes, yeah, it's that like really like nicely contained yep. story in both of them. And right, yeah, the, it feels environmental. Yeah, really. feels kind of play. And Kurt Russell is in Hateful yes, Eight. Yes, yeah. that's true. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I. I I mean, Tarantino is obviously a big fan of Kurt Russell because he, he's in that movie. He's in. Um, Death Race. Oh, yeah. Or whatever the hell that is. Death Proof? Death Proof. Yeah. The yeah. Least, the, the guy is, is Kurt Russell. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, who, who wouldn't be a fan of Kurt Russell, right? Oh, he's amazing. He's amazing. He's so good at everything. When he popped up in Fast and Furious, I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, this is great. And they're bringing him back for the next one. I'm so excited. When Vin Diesel turns evil. Yeah. Yeah, for some reason. Fun. Maybe he's the thing. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Crossover world. <laughs> It all takes place in the same universe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I, I want, changing gears a little bit, but the yeah. one thing I wanted to talk about that I've noticed in nearly all of the horror movies I've seen, and I don't have an answer, so I'm really going to defer to your horror expertise, sure. is the beginning of the movies, the, the, I want to point to the style of acting, right? Because the style of acting at the beginning of horror movies is really stilted. It's It feels oh, yeah. like they're delivering lines. It's... I want to say it's bad, but you see good actors delivering delivering lines in this weird horror movie mode only at the beginning, <laughs> and I don't understand why these movies do that. Um, but it's definitely a thing. It's it it shows up over. I don't feel and, like I've noticed that. Oh, I, I think that if you if you watch, is it like them sounding overly cheerful or something? like Something that? like that, and like delivering their lines really purposefully. Like I assume like, they're supposed to be overly cheerful and confident and in, cocky. In, and in contrast kind of to the Obviously horrible the shit that happens. What's gonna happen. Right, which is, I think, the most reasonable explanation for what's going on there. But it it's this weird delivery that happens in so, so many horror movies. Um, and even in the handful that I've seen. 
and I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, no, but, no? <laughs> but okay. I can I, imagine that, like, uh, what, I mean, it might be coming from, it's just like, this is, like, not the point of this movie. So, like, the focus for filming is, like, not on right. those scenes, right? Yeah, and it kind of yeah. gives it uh, other, not an otherworldly feel, but a non-real feel, right? Yeah. Like, it's not existing in reality. Well, the, I mean, the movie that does the opposite of that is Jaws, right? So, right, yeah. I mean, is Jaws a horror movie? I mean, it's like, it's one of these, like, creature <clears throat> right. movies. There are horrific elements yes. of, of Jaws. Yes. Um, but, I mean, what happens in Jaws is you, you know, you establish that Jaws is out there. Like, you put the yeah. threat out there. But mm -hmm. then the movie kind of moves away from that mm -hmm. for a while. And it becomes about Roy Scheider. And it sets him up as, like, a family man. Mm -hmm. and, like, it's about his family <clears throat> for a while. And then we're, you know, horrifically brought back into oh, yeah. Jaws. Yeah. yeah. And reminded <clears throat> of the, the shark is there. That is still, yeah. So, you know, Spielberg is probably, like, going out of his way to show this kind of, like, picturesque, like, mm -hmm. family Yeah, which scene. is an horror like, trope, right? Like, yeah. Definitely a thing. Early on, look it up. But it's really well acted because it's Roy Scheider. And, yeah, and, and, and I think yeah. that. I, I mean, I don't want to just blame it on bad acting because I don't think that's what it is. Like Kurt, Kurt Russell is a good actor, but he, he still does it here. And I think that if you look for it in in every watch, I'm, I'm sure you've seen this movie twenty times or whatever. Yeah. But it it's a it's definitely a thing in horror movies where you have this you know almost unhuman way of talking to each <laughs> other at the beginning of movies, and I I don't understand the effect other than kind of distancing the audience. Um, it it could be that again. It could just be like, all right, we got it, moving on. Yeah, like, I mean, maybe they're just being <laughs> like, really perfunctory about the Carpenter, beginning. I mean, Carpenter comes from you know a tradition of low budget filmmaking. Yeah, and he has a bigger budget in this movie. Clearly, uh, clearly. But again, he's probably making dollars stretch really well. Like, I bet yeah. they don't have a huge budget for this movie. Yeah, not. Um, and they reuse a lot of things, like the burned Norwegian base is just the base after yeah. it stopped burning. <laughs> oh, yeah. They just like went back through and shot all, <laughs> great. all those scenes. Well, that so, makes sense. Um, and again, like the you know the creature effects, you know they're amazing, but they're also like you have to shoot them from a very particular angle. Yeah. There has to be very particular lighting. And be. if you don't do that, like they do not work. Yeah. Um, and so. It could just be that, that, you know, Carpenter's, like, very... I, I doubt you know, it. Like, because it shows up in multiple movies, and it... I, I would rather put point to intention, right? Like, that, <laughs> I would rather point to the filmmaker making a choice rather than saying, well, maybe they just couldn't handle that, unless yeah. we actually have evidence in of that. In every horror movie. Right. Not, well, not literally ever, but many. <laughs> many that I've seen. Uh, you you can spot this kind of acting. And I, I think that it's kind of like a once you see it, you can't not see it kind of thing. Yeah, it's possible. But, um... Man, it was here. Uh, it I was wish I could give you here. more because I, I. Okay, I maybe didn't it's see it, but maybe I'm the only person that has seen to notice time. this, but I doubt it. I, <laughs> I, I really doubt it. Yeah. Um, so, other interesting thing about this movie is that it's it's a bomb. It's a box office bomb. Yes. When it came out, and it, a critical bomb. And <laughs> a critical <laughs> bomb. Yeah. Critics did not like this movie. It wasn't until many years it later. It seemed like a very tough year for yeah. it. So it came out in the same. Uh, week as ET. Yeah, that's not a good yeah, week that's to come not out. Help. Yeah. yeah, the same day as Blade Runner. Oh God, and, overrated. Uh, <laughs> Poltergeist came out uh, within the same year too. So you have this like conflux of like horror sci-fi movies right. that it's competing with, 
and the and, one with the ambiguous ending isn't gonna and got like yeah. very negative reviews um roger ebert says that it's a barf bag movie and like there's <laughs> nothing else redeeming about wow. it and wrote like a very famous like pretty negative review of, of this movie well, he's, he's not gonna hit on all of them no um and yeah no it was a critical failure when it came out yeah, the critics are just like it's just a slock, schlocky like chainsaw massacre movie that's all there is to this and then you know 15 <clears throat> years goes by and people start to revisit this in like the late 90s and realize that it's secretly uh, yeah sci-fi horror masterpiece actually and yeah. now it's like rated as like one of the best sci-fi movies of all time or, yeah or, correctly yeah correct mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and well and carpenter stood by it the whole time right like he was constantly i don't think he really gives a crap about no didn't like, he always say like reviews. this was his masterpiece like this was the thing he was super proud probably of. but yeah. he like he's i think he's fine making b movies too okay like you know he, he made the fog which is not a good movie but was successful okay um you know he, he makes just a bunch of movies that like pretty much flop his only like real successful movie is halloween mm-hmm. uh, which was like a huge movie at the yeah. time it was like a two million dollar budget or something they made like jillions of dollars and continues to be like the most important slasher film yes probably yeah there's so many of them so many but yeah. that like invented it basically yeah. um and the rest of his movies are like pretty much just flops like so <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah i mean he hasn't made a movie in a while it hasn't been i figure he was just retired I, I think out of just like no one will give him money because like he doesn't really re- return their budget like, until like twenty years go by or something and nobody's like wants to invest in that. That's, that's a long term. Like people remember his movies very fondly because they're great, but they're right. they're not successful movies aside yeah. from like a couple of them. Halloween being the exception. Well, it, yeah. horror movies kind of have like a a base, right? Like there's yeah. there are people, there's a group of people that's, that are going to see any horror movie. Right, yeah. and it, it feels like studios are starting to tap in on that. Like it, it feels like there's always some kind of horror movie coming on the pike. Yeah, yeah. There, there, and there's a lot of like independent horror movies that yeah. like that like crowd is into. Like the one that comes to mind is like the Midnight Meat Train, which is like this like <laughs> B movie. But people who are like really into horror movies like talk very highly of this like okay. pretty corny like B horror movie. Well, and, well, uh, and there's this yeah. horror community or category of film yeah. that has cropped up recently that's on, in the other direction that's taking that that w- where you have like the guest and the invitation and which yeah right that are like legitimately good movies that are still drawing on the tradition of horror and being well, well regarded at festivals and by critics um so you, you kind of see it on the opposite ends of the spectrum yeah and it's, it's not clear where, par- where carpenter would land if he were decided to make more stuff i i think he lands more on the <laughs> schlocky Probably. side yeah and again he's willing to like his movies are fun like yeah his movies are very enjoyable to watch. Yeah. And uh, like Big Trouble in Little China. I don't know if you've seen it. I've not seen that one. Um, Escape from New York. Super obviously. funny. Escape from New York is super fun. Yeah. Escape from LA is terrible, but there's moments in it that are just like. Is that the one with all the holograms? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a scene with Bruce Campbell in that movie. Well, though. any scene with Bruce Campbell. I know. It's movie. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, another podcast I listened to just just did uh, Escape from LA. Oh, okay. Um, and they were they all agreed that like man when Bruce Campbell's on screen this movie is great. Yep. <laughs> um he's a star. Yeah, he is. Um yeah, and even his like weirder movies like In the Mouth of Madness which is like a very upsetting bizarre movie with Sam Neill mm-hmm. is like has redeeming moments to it. And when um, you say upsetting you usually mean bad, right? 
Like for you, upsetting <laughs> is because I, I mean, if a movie is upsetting, that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad for me. But the context in which you use it makes it sound I mean, like things good. in the thing were pretty upsetting. Right? Yeah. Um, Not what it means. What it, what it means to you. Yeah. <laughs> what it means to me. Yeah. Uh, in this one, there's in in the mouth of madness. Um, there. There it plays off of um, uh, what's what's the Stephen King book. Um, the one where the guy like breaks his legs and he's... saving Christmas. Yes, yes. <laughs> misery, misery. Yeah, it, it has elements of misery in it. Where this this author like goes to this town and then he like gets trapped in the town and then okay. eventually he's like institutionalized. Okay. And then we don't. He could be crazy or the apocalypse happens. <laughs> okay. And it's unclear after that. And yep. then there are all these. Uh, Rob Bottin did creature effects in that movie too. Mm-hmm. A- again, like like you, they sort of the body just kind of like melts and mm-hmm. so there, there's this like tension of like reality and unreality in that movie that's like very unsettling hmm. um it's not a great movie but there are elements that are like interesting yeah okay yeah so upsetting means not necessarily bad yeah i think the the notion of being like institutionalized is like very upsetting to me that's the point right yeah. <laughs> like it's supposed yeah. to be scary yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so there's that um yeah, so this movie like didn't to- do too well, and it wasn't until like twenty People years later that we kind of rescue it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're a cinematic hero. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> What's the verdict, Carol? How do you feel about the thing? Uh, well, I certainly enjoyed it, especially more than I thought, given it's being a horror movie, and you know, I typically don't enjoy that sort of deal. Um, Have you seen? Do you you hadn't seen a John Carpenter movie before this? Uh, I did see Escape from New York. But I don't remember very much of it. Okay. It just kind of passed through my mind and left, I guess. I could see that I, happening. I yeah. couldn't recall <laughs> a single scene from it. The the scene that sticks out for me in Escape from New York is when they tell him that he has to rescue the president and then he says, President of what? <laughs> <laughs> also, Isaac Hayes is amazing yeah. in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> he wears a chainmail mesh shirt <laughs> yeah. throughout it. Where do you even get that? And Adrian Barbeau, she's great. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you hadn't seen Halloween, right? No. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just don't go for those kind of horror films. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm close to Charles on this one. I but, was uh, pleasantly surprised by this one. You know, it was very entertaining, had a great concept. Yeah. Um, I was very wowed by all the monster effects. So it was almost like watching, you know, like a Godzilla film where you're like impressed by the creature. Like, like the craftsmanship of it. Yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, I thought that was a treat to see. Uh, and also, like, I guess I'm scared more by very specific things and especially things that are more likely to happen or more realistic that I can empathize with. Mm-hmm. So having this like outlandish alien creature wasn't scary in a it'll bother me later sort of respect, but you know, it was still like horrifying. Mm-hmm. Although I might have spoke too soon because I was actually woken up last night by a thing related dream <laughs> so right. here we go it's right. in your mind yeah. uh, but at first i didn't feel like i was like gonna be you know long term bothered by it or anything like that like i feel like i need to introduce i told you guys a minority report story i think but the um i seen yeah the the movie that scared me the most throughout history has always been minority report which People are always surprised to hear because you don't consider that a very scary movie. It's not. But what bothered me, there was a lot of unsettling parts of it. Like what bothered me the most at first was the repeated use of the woman drowning scene. Oh, yeah. um, That like ties the movie together. And that was very creepy. 
I, you know, I always had that fear of drowning and all that. It's a visceral. Um, yeah. And so that bothered me. There's some of those murder scenes where, like, you know, someone's taking a pair of scissors and stabbing someone with it. Uh, there was a scene where his eyes get messed with, and I don't like anything going anywhere near eyes in any movie. <laughs> well, um, we shouldn't do that Dolly film, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, the one that the Pixies wrote a song about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, you know, those are reasons that that movie, I would consider the scariest, the movie that bothered me the most, and I think that might be the reason I have such a messed up sleep schedule these days. Like, just since I first saw it in middle school, it's just been down. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Ruined my sleep wow. schedule forever. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of where I'm coming from, and this movie didn't, it didn't really hit me that way. Uh, I felt alright. Um... Damage but it. it was certainly a fun watching experience. So okay. recommend? Yeah. All right. Solid. Awesome. Solid. Wilson, what's on deck for next week? Okay, so I've been complaining. I don't know if I've complained on here, but I've put, complained <laughs> off air that we've only done American movies. Uh, so this week we're going to do City of God, which I think is a great intro for a film. Yes. Um, so that that is on the docket. I think you'll like it. I All love right. it. Awesome. City of God. Cool. Until next week. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>